When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So real quick, before we get into some of the topics we're going to discuss today, including precious metals, uh, the, the recent spending bill passed by Congress, um, and of course, the, the stock market, which is at basically all-time highs and, and certainly all-time highs in terms of, of valuations. I want to start off with a thanks to you guys for, for all of those of you that have moved my podcast versus my YouTube channel. In fact, in the last two-week period ending on the 24th, Christmas Eve, was the best two-week period in terms of number of listens in the history of my, of my uh, podcast. So I appreciate that. And for those of you that are still on YouTube, I'm really hoping that you still consider making the switch to podcast. Um, again, I'll put a link in the description to some of the major podcast platforms. But getting to main topic today, you know, gold and silver have had a really good run uh, this week, uh, even coming from last week. And, and as I predicted, you know, gold, I, I think Monday was the last time I talked about it, or Tuesday, I guess, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, gold sitting around 1500 uh, Silver at the time was was doing uh, pretty well as well at 1780, 1770. Uh, and, and here we are the day after Christmas, uh, gold up around, or silver around 1790, gold uh, just shy of 1510 as I speak, continuing to move north of that 1500 number. Now, on one hand, this isn't surprising. Uh, for seasonality reasons, because of, of some of the other big macro factors going on, as well as the technicals, which I, I discussed at length and and why the setup was so bullish. And, and so I, I guess I, I can pat myself on the back. Believe me, for those of you that have listened for, for long enough, you, you know I've made plenty of, of wrong predictions, so I'll, I'll try not to, to be too prideful here with my prediction. Um, with that being said, I think we should take a grain of salt, uh, take a lot of this with a grain of salt, um, any moves for the you know the rest of this week and even to the end of the year new and in, into the end of the year. In fact, this is something I think pointed out by Illuminati Silver um, that that right now these markets tend to be a little bit less liquid than usual towards the end of the year. You even saw it yesterday. Somebody had commented, you know, what is this? What is going on in the gold market? You have these huge gap ups and gap downs uh, yesterday evening, Christmas evening, basically here in the United States. And of course, the answer to that was it was it was a holiday market, and so. Very little liquidity, and even today, I'd be surprised if there's anywhere near the normal amount of liquidity. I, I haven't checked the volume on gold or anything like that, but just uh, if I were to to gander, I guess. Uh, but but what's really astounding to me is is you know if you look at the charts, silver and gold by all accounts have had a a great year. If you look year to date, uh, silver and gold are up uh, 17, let's see here, uh, a little over 15% for silver and a little over 17% for gold. That's pretty good. In fact, if you look over a one-year time frame, that's even better if you're going back to December 26, 2018, right? And from where they were off their lows in 2018, which uh, was, let's see here, it was in um, September, I think, uh, September for one, and then another one, I think, was in November. If you're looking at where they're up from their lows, they're well over 20% from their lows, whereas stocks have uh, done very well also, but have um, 
are not actually that far off from their highs in, in 2018. You know, we're talking about 8%, 10%, 12%. Although if you look year to date, uh, the NASDAQ is up 37%. Uh, the S&P is up 28 plus percent. If you look from one year ago, the NASDAQ is up uh, 34%. The S&P is up 27%. So really uh, good, you know, good year for, for both of those. But that doesn't mean that they're not overvalued. And, and what's really interesting to me is the fact that we have stocks at basically an all-time high, but also precious metals doing very well. And this sort of, I think, reinforces this, this uh I guess, view of mine that this recent move up in stocks is absolutely related to the recent actions by central banks and specifically the Federal Reserve with their repo market operations or quantitative easing, their interest rate cuts. All those things increase liquidity. They're supportive to stock markets. With that being said, the fact that we see stock or we see gold and silver moving up as well, yes, you could say it's just seasonality, it's technicals, but I think that there is an element of this monetary policy in that as well, that silver and gold have performed so well just over the last uh, couple of weeks since the Fed has really ramped up uh, this this money printing, this liquidity injection, that that, that um, is, is also supportive for silver and gold prices. But also I think you see a lot of, and you'll continue to see this into January of 2020, a lot of investors position themselves based on the Fed's most recent moves. Um, a ton of basically, when when you inject a ton of liquidity, when you print money through through QE or or, or increase uh, money in the system or whatever support for for the short term funding markets through their repo market operations, you're essentially should be weakening the dollar. Right, all else equal, you're you're increasing the supply. It's a dollar shortage. That's a big part of what we're what this whole short term funding market crisis has been about. A dollar crisis, a short term. Uh, uh, or not a short term, but just a dollar shortage. And uh, and so if you're going to move dollars into the system, increase in the supply, you should be weakening the dollar and thus silver and gold should be going up. They should be some of the primary benefactors of that. Of course, stocks obviously have as well. However, you know, another thing that I want to talk about is, you know, I'll, I'll start off with this number. I'll find it here. Uh, Four trillion. It's, uh, I'll, I'll, I have to wait for it to come up here. Uh, $4.37 trillion. Now, for those of you that keep track of big trillion-dollar numbers, um, you may be thinking $4.37 trillion. That's awfully close to what the, the Fed balance sheet is right now. And you'd be wrong. Yes, the Fed balance sheet is pretty darn close to $4.37 trillion. It's certainly going to be higher than that in, in the not-so-far-off future. I'm talking a couple weeks from now if, if, you, if you're following Fed guidance. However, that's not the number I'm quoting here. Actually, $4.37 trillion is through quarter three of 2019, um, from 2012, beginning of 2012 through quarter three of 2019, that is how much money the S&P 500 stocks have used to buy back their own shares. So in a, what is that, seven-year period? Not even? 2012, I don't know. I, it, Less than a decade, you know, seven years roughly, because um, I don't know how that works out when you're 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever, uh, seven or eight year period. We're talking $4.37 trillion. You know, to put that in perspective, again, that's almost, or that's larger than the current size of the Fed balance sheet that stocks have used to buy back their own shares. That's uh, about a quarter of US GDP. 
that's a little under a quarter. You know, I shouldn't say a quarter of GDP, a little under that. Um, if you're going on official numbers, uh, maybe a fifth of the current uh, um, debt here in the United States, fifth or sixth of the total amount of U.S. Um, government debt, you know, and an even smaller fraction if you add in corporate debt, government debt, and, and household debt. Uh, but that's a lot, four plus trillion dollars. In quarter three alone, S&P 500 companies bought back 176 billion dollars of their own shares this this statistic is by wolf richter from wolf street by the way 176 billion dollars of their own shares right and 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 i'll remind you guys you know the the current uh u.s stock market uh capitalization uh if i remember correctly is is right around 150 percent of gdp i forget if that's all u.s stocks or if that's just the s p 500 or whatever but, but that's in the ballpark of $30 trillion. And think of how much of that is due to four-plus trillion dollars worth of buybacks. This is something that oftentimes is, is forgotten when we talk about why the stock market is so high. You can say it's manipulation, plunge protection team, liquidity from the Fed, low interest rates. All of that is true. And in addition to that, uh, before we get to uh, stock buybacks, you can also talk about money flowing from other markets, whether it's it's foreign markets or from, from bonds or fixed income because rates are so low and, and investors are, are thirsty for returns. That includes pension funds, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, all of those funds flown into stocks as well, right? You have this huge flow into stocks over the last you know decade, uh, give or take, that has helped boost stocks to where they are today. But the other one that gets so often forgotten is, is the amount that is bought back by their own companies. I mean, that's not unusual. I'm not going to be the type of guy that's going to say, like, stock buybacks should be outlawed. Not at all. I, I'm, a, I'm a big free market type of guy. Do I think that it's in the best interest of the company? Usually not, at least long term. It's usually in the best interest of, like, the, the board members and, and the shareholders because shareholders are, are enriched by this, right? But usually companies do better off if they can invest that in some capital improvements or expansion or whatever. They can save it in cash. They can certainly pay off debt. You know, a lot of this stock buybacks is fueled by, by debt ultimately. There's a lot of different options that they can choose from to, to somehow increase their, their long-term prospects. And yet many of these companies, uh, by the hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars, are choosing to buy back their own stocks. So... That is something that has to come into consideration. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a free market. I'm fine with it happening. But what I want is for investors to realize that that long term, that is not a, a good strategy. That yes, it, like, it sounds great. Like let's buy the stock that is currently buying back its stock at, at crazy high levels. Because yeah, you're probably going to do well if, if you're trading that stock, if it's going up over that time period. Yeah. But long term... I think it's important for investors and for institutional investors and, and pension funds and, and hedge funds and, and mutual funds and 401ks and all that to realize that that's extremely dangerous because at some point the, the cash runs out or if they're borrowing, uh, the credit markets dry up in, in an economic slowdown, a credit crisis, and all of a sudden that support for the markets is suddenly pulled out from underneath it. 
and, and that can have some really disastrous consequences. The final thing I wanted to talk about today, maybe I'm saving the best for last year, is something I find really interesting here. So the 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 Congress, uh, U.S. Congress, re- recently passed a spending bill, which averted a government shutdown. It wasn't really apparently much of a worry this year, and I want to say it's like a $1.4 trillion spending deal. You know, I, I would guess if you look through it, it's going to probably increase the deficit as a whole. It has a net um, increase on, on in terms of, of how much... Uh, spending there is and whatnot. Uh, but I'm not going to sift through it today. You know, maybe I can spend some other time on that. But I did see one blurb from, from of all publications, the New York Times, about a specific provision in this spending bill. And, and it's, it's a first. That's why I find this interesting because it's on a topic that I am somewhat familiar about and talk about quite a bit on this channel, and that's pension funds. For the first time in, according to New York Times, 45 years of federal pension law, taxpayer dollars at the federal level will be used to bail out a fund for workers in the private sector. And and in this case, we're talking about the United Mine Workers of America pension plan. It's a coal miners pension plan, essentially. Um, And and it's been short for for a while now in terms of, of how much it owes, in fact, through 20, it is projected at current pace, uh, it was going to run out of money around 2023. I would guess even sooner than that, right? That's according to the company themselves. The shortfall here was something like seven, six to $7 billion currently, um, maybe even upwards of $7 billion. And so what it looks like is basically the U.S. government uh, through uh, $750 million a year into the fund uh, to to help fund it, basically, to, to help keep it afloat. And what's really interesting about this to me is that, as I said, this is the first time this has happened, a federal bailout of, of a private pension fund. Not a, not a public one, not a federal government pension fund, but a private one. And, and this, is, this is so key. This is, this is a, uh, <laughs> oh, geez, a canary in the coal mine moment. And I know it's cheesy because we're talking about coal miners here. But but what this tells me is that there is a will in Congress when when push comes to shove to bail out these pension funds, especially I think when it comes to certain groups of workers. Um, if we're talking about, uh, in this case, coal miners, which are very near and dear to, to Donald Trump, at least supposedly, and, and in theory, uh, Republicans and whatnot. Uh, but also, if you see future ones in the, like like public um, employees, like uh, which, which most pension funds are for, um, if you're talking about like uh, firefighters and, and and police officers and uh, teachers and whatnot, you know those are all public pension funds, um, which to some extent have been bailed out in the past. I'm sure by by state or by the federal government. Uh, but what this shows me, even though it's a private pension fund, which is certainly smaller in the whole scheme of things, pen, private pension funds are a much smaller problem than than uh, public ones. There's just not as many of them. They're not as large. Um, but this shows me once again that there's a will by Congress not only to bail out public pension funds, mostly at the state, county, and city level, but there's also a will to, to bail out private pension funds, which have no business being bailed out whatsoever, right? You could make an argument for, for state ones or city or whatever, because they're all part of the government ultimately, even if they're divvied up. But there's no argument that you can make for this. And yet that's that's what occurred. And, and I think it's key, like, again, canary in the coal mine, 
um, type of moment here. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see it happen more and more with private pensions, but also see it move more and more into the public realm as well. Because yes, this one's doing poorly, but there's a ton of states that are going to be in the same uh, same situation here in the next couple of years, and certainly in the next stock market decline. I mean, right now things are probably looking rosy for a lot of these for a lot of these pension funds, but once stocks you know drop, which could be a topic for future videos, you'll see. You know, New Jersey and Illinois, Chicago, and plenty of other major pension funds, even ones that look like they're in good shape now, um, probably ultimately need a bailout from the federal government. So as always, thank you for tuning in. Quick reminder, don't forget to uh, check out my podcast. I'd love for you guys to follow me over in the podcast world versus YouTube here. Again, links down below in the uh, comment section. So as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today, and God bless.